being able to go on these mission trips and help just a little bit. But uh, we come home and and uh, they stay. They're they're just year round, day after day, year after year. I'm sure appreciate what they do for the Lord. I want to say too, you know, we we gone last week and it's just such a a rare. I don't know if you if you know how rare it is. Such a rare thing for a pastor to be able to go away and know know that Brother David's going to do the right thing in the right way. Amen. Our deacons are in place, and if anything should arise, they'll handle it in the right way. That the church will be full because people have come to hear from the Word of God and hear about Jesus. They're not following a man around. That all the ministries function just as well. Um, with with where the preacher's here, whether he's not, I mean, isn't that a blessing? And, uh, and it is. It just makes music just break out. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Angels begin to sing in ways you hadn't expected. <laughs> so, but Lord, He really He really is good to us. So, well, we're glad to have all our visitors with us today. Uh, Terry Allen from Chicago and. And the others that are that are here today, and uh, well, don't look around. It's just uh, Bernard said he was here, so uh, yeah. So uh, no, but all all of all our visitors, we're really really happy that you've come this way, and trust the Lord to make our time in the in the Word a blessing to your heart. Let's let's go there now. Titus chapter number three, New Testament book of Titus, chapter number three. We are studying together the names and the titles given to our Lord Jesus Christ throughout the pages of the Bible. Oh, there's one thing I, I did want to... We, uh, talking about being gone, being away. I got this note from a pastor, preached a, a meeting there in February, and he, he sent us a note. So, said, by the way, since the last revival meeting you preached, we have given out many thousand gospel tracts in our city. As far as I know, about 90% of the church members are participating. Each member of our church gets five tracts each week to give out. We're starting small, but it's better than we were. The message you preach regarding God's long-suffering toward us, those who believe but aren't serving, really touched all our hearts. Our church is different now. Thank you. So, it's, it's effective. It's it's essential to have these meetings. Our youth rally, that, that, it'll, last, it'll last in the lives of those young people for a long, long time. So we thank, the, thank you for letting us go and, and, uh, and be away and preach like that. All right, Titus chapter 3. Speaking of the names of Jesus, we come this morning to Savior. Jesus Christ is Savior. Just think of that. It implies that someone needs to be saved. It implies that the one who needs to be saved cannot save himself, cannot save herself. It implies that someone has the power to save the one who needs to be saved. And it implies that the one with the power also has the desire to do the saving. And Jesus Christ is the Savior. I need a Savior. You need a Savior. Jesus had the power 
to save me. Better, better yet, Jesus had the desire and willingness to save me. The Bible says in Titus chapter number 3 and verse 1, well, let's start at verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. In this auditorium this morning are many people who have never done the things that you have done that the Bible would call sin. And there are things that they have done that you would never do that the Bible calls sin. And yet the Holy Bible says to everyone who will ever read these verses, saved or lost, at some time in your life you have been foolish. All of us. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. There has been a time in your life when you lived or acted without regard for God. Every one of us. All of us have at some time or another been disobedient. To a parent, to God, well, not me, to a speed limit. (laughs) Come on, we have all been disobedient at some time in our life. Now, we might justify it, we might excuse it, we might associate with people who say it's not a big deal, but if you look up, God's up there. To Him it is a very, very big deal. We have all been deceived at some time or another. Every one of us have clicked and agreed to the terms we haven't read. Every one of us have signed a waiver form that we didn't read. Jake, uh... I signed it, but I didn't read it. Does that count? Uh, Yeah, it does. We've all been deceived. You ever bought the big box and gotten home and opened it? Oh, there it is down there. How do they stop the machine after putting so few chips in the bag? Man, that's some switch they must have on that thing. Just amazing. We've all been deceived. I like, now you, you won't remember this, many of you, because you're not old enough. But you know, back in the old days, you would pay for a gallon of gasoline, and it would come up out of the pump into a glass container so you could see that you actually were getting some gasoline. Now you just, by faith, you stick the hose in there and watch the numbers roll by. You don't have anything going in the car or not. You can light a match and look. and see <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend that. We've all been deceived. Somebody's tricked you. Somebody's fooled you. The Bible says, serving, lust, serving, pleasures. I'd like to, but I can't. Why can't you? Well, there's this lust I'm chasing. 
Why can't you? Well, there's this pleasure I'm engaged in. Every one of us at some time in our life has set aside necessary duty in favor of unnecessary activity. Come on, we've all done it. Now, you say, were you trying to condemn me? No, I'm pointing out that by God's standard, not ours, we're guilty. By God's standard, not ours, we come short. Look, we want to set the mark at a a point that's attainable. You know, you need to be saved. I've never killed anybody. Well, good for you. That's you and, and, and the vast majority of the human race have never killed anybody. But have you ever been deceived? God told you to walk in truth. God told you to walk in the light. You ever been deceived? Well, yeah, but that's... Have you ever devoted yourself to some lust? Have you ever put pleasure ahead of duty? See... If God wants to pin us to the wall, it doesn't take much for Him to do it. We have all come short of God's glory. Living in malice and envy. Envy. You say, well, I've never done that malice thing. Well, if I told you what it meant, you you have, but we, we, we we won't go there. We'll just do the envy thing. Just sit in your living room with the remote and go from envy to envy to envy to envy. I wish I owned that. I wish I looked like that. I wish I could afford that. I wish I had won that. I wish they'd cheer for me like that. I wish I'd get a chance to sing in that competition. I could win it. I wish I could... Right? I wish I could cook a four-course meal flawlessly in a 30-minute program. (laughs) Come on. Envy is common to all of us. The Lord should be content with such things as you have. Who can do that? Okay, so having established that we all are disqualified for a place where there is no sin. The Bible says in verse number 4, but, after that, after all of your drug abuse, after all of your drunkenness, after all of your cuss words, after all of your oh my gods, blasphemy according to the scripture, after all the lies and all the deception, after all the failure and all the coming short, but after that, the kindness and love of God. Isn't that incredible? But after that, the kindness and the love of God. If you you had or have a mother, a real mother, a loving mother, a decent, God-fearing mother, that's as close as you'll ever come to understanding what we're about to read. But after that, after you dirtied yourself, I cheerfully cleaned you up and changed you. After I fed you and you threw up on me, I cleaned you up and hugged you. 
After you broke something I told you not to touch, I cleaned up the mess. After you spilled something I was busy telling you not to pick up because you couldn't handle it, I, I cheerfully mopped it up. Come on, how many million times in your life did your mother step in for a yet one more but after that moment? Where she did what only kindness would do. Where she did what only love would do for free. She did for you what you couldn't pay somebody to do for you. That's a little small glimpse of a kindness and a love that comes after that. And you look at every mess I've ever made in my life and every mess you've ever made in your life, but after that. The kindness and love of God appeared. After every time you broke something He told you not to touch and spilled something He told you you couldn't handle and, 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 and messed yourself up, here comes the kindness and the love of God. Isn't it amazing? But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man, appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. There's a point in time at which the infant becomes the toddler and the toddler becomes the monster, or if it's yours, the... Well, there's probably a name for it, but... You're flying with them on the airplane, it's just monster. It's all, it's all. Anyway, there comes a point in time when not only does the child make the mess... But then the child decides to step up and help mommy clean it. And mother has to say, you know what? The glass is broken. You just got to stay away. Or mother says, you know what? It's bad enough you dropped it on the couch. Stop rubbing it in. (laughs) I want to help. Appreciate that you want to help. But you've got to leave this clean up to the expert. You can't help me clean it up. You could, you could mess it up, but only I can clean it up. Now, boys learn that lesson real fast. It's not long before they never offer to help clean it up again. But, but, that's, but, but to follow in our, in, in our thought here, you know what people do? They make a mess out of their life. They do. And most of us did before we even knew the mess we were making. You didn't know what those drugs were going to do to you, really. You didn't know what that relationship was going to do to you. you, didn't, you I mean, somebody tried to tell you, but what did you know? Right. Mom said, don't, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that, smash. Yeah. You didn't get out of bed and say, I'm going to break something that's precious and valuable. You just did it. And you didn't set out. It wasn't your intent to, to make such a mess out of your life, but you did. But having done it, God doesn't need your baptism to clean it up. Yeah. 
God doesn't need your recovery or your form or your 12 steps or your beads or your dedication or your rededication. Just look, just stop. You're only going to make it worse. Let me clean it up for you. He's the Savior. He's not the assistant Savior. He's not the supervisor of salvation. He's the Savior. The only one that can clean up the mess you made is the one that is loving enough and kind enough to voluntarily fix what we've done. That one is Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful this morning for the kindness of God. I'm so thankful this morning for the love of God. And I'm so thankful that He doesn't need my help. He doesn't even want my help. Because my help is just more of the same. He wants to clean it abundantly. Now once in a while around our house, I'll mess something up and be aware of it. That's... that. Not taking into account all the times I messed something up and wasn't aware of it, but there are times when I'm aware of it. And I will do what many of you men do. I will go to the kitchen and look for whatever it is that cleans that up. But I don't know what it is. I open the the cabinet doors under the sink, and there's this vast array of deadly chemicals. And there's one of them that cleans furniture stuff, and there's one of them that ruins furniture. I don't know one from the other. It's taken a lot of work to get to this age and not know one from the other, but I've managed. I don't know one from the other. I don't know what cleans the sink but doesn't clean the countertop and what cleans the countertop but doesn't clean the sink. I just know if you grab the wrong bottle and open it here instead of out here, for about the next 15 minutes, you can't breathe. That, that I've learned. There's st- so much stuff that may clean, I guess, cleans your lungs out. I must have a lot of bacteria and stuff in my lungs. It goes right in there. And, and you know what that is? That's you charging into church and telling God what you're going to do to fix it. That's you getting on your knees and saying some kind of desperate prayer about how you're going to never sin again the rest of your life and how you're going to give half your money to the sisters of the poor and all that. God, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to, let me grab something and apply it to my sin. All you're going to do is hurt yourself. What you need to do is humble yourself and go to your wife and say, you know how you ask me, not to eat on that chair. And you know how I said, nothing's going to happen. Well, there's half a plate of casserole down in the chair. That's all you, look, at that point, that's all you can do is just own it, confess your sin, and hope that the kindness and love of wife will say, sit down. Let me fix this mess. Oh, no, let, let me help you. No. As my mom would say, you've done enough already. <laughs> and how many people this morning are in church 
with their habit, with their got caught, with their disaster, with their doctor's report, and saying, God, let me help. Just show me what to do and I'll do it. Just give me the sponge and the stuff and I'll sponge it with stuff. And, I, and, and God, here's what he says. You've done enough. Just sit down and let me fix this. And I'm so glad that he's kind enough. And I'm so glad that he's loving enough to not only clean it up and fix it, but then not do to me what your wife is going to do to you and mine does to me after she cleans it up. No, I'm just, well, no, I'm not just kidding. But, but look, look, look what he says, abundantly, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now picture this. You go to the chair with your plate of food, right? The, the chair you're not supposed to eat in because it's the one she finally found. You know that chair? And you've spilled the food in the chair and you've sat patiently and prayerfully while she cleans it up and then she says, would you like me to get you some more? Now, I know what your wife would, would... Well, okay, anyway. That's the Lord. He not only cleans up our mess, but He then says, well, now while I've got you here, how can I bless your life? Now while I've got you here, how can I make your eternity better? That's the Lord. There's never been a kindness like that. There's never been a love like that. And God loved you and loved me that much. That's what He wants to do. He doesn't want you to come to church this morning with your mess and tell God how you're going to fix it. He wants you to bring your messed up life to God and let Him fix it. He is the Savior. Praise the Lord. My mother remember this. Unfortunately, she remembers a lot of things. But my parents were out of town one time, and our friend Louis's grandparents, who he stayed with, were out of town. And his grandparents had a golf cart, which... Louie was not allowed to drive, and I was not allowed to drive, and my brother was not allowed to drive, but we all could drive the golf cart, and we knew that because we saw these really, really old people drive them and figured if they could drive it, surely we could drive it. And being satisfied that all the necessary people were far enough out of town to make it worth the risk... We opened the garage door at Louis's grandfather's house and jumped in the golf cart and headed out for, you won't remember this, but there used to be a program called the Rat Patrol. Anybody remember the Rat Patrol? Jeeps with machine guns on the back, which a golf cart and palm fronds, it's identical. And we didn't head out to drive down the road. We headed out into the vacant lots to be the Rat Patrol. 
Well, the Jeep Slim TV show, I don't remember if they had tops, but the golf cart had a top, and a limb of an oak tree hitting a golf cart that's pursuing bad guys with machine guns. It's just a bad combination. And so now there's a big crack through the roof of the golf cart. And so we head back for home, and Louie hits the automatic garage door opener, which in 7071 is pretty cool to have an automatic garage door opener. And the garage door starts up, and my brother floors the gas, and... You know, if you, if you don't time it just right, the garage door is not up far enough and the cart hits the garage door and the garage door isn't going up any farther. Which means you can't put the golf cart back in the garage and pretend you didn't break this roof on the golf cart. And so now we got a broken garage door and a broken golf cart and we did the only thing you could do. We all swore to kill each other if we told. I mean, Louie's grandfather's going to come home and say, Wow, somebody tried to steal my golf cart, got under conviction, and tried to bring it back. Good thing my grandkid and those Knox kids weren't involved. (laughs) But it didn't work out that way. There was some point to this. Here it was. I was just afraid I was going to see my dad come walking through the door. <laughs> just for a brief moment, I thought I heard his voice. <laughs> How do you fix that? You can't fix it. And my parents, maybe you didn't have parents that lived by the Bible, but I have parents that live by the Bible. You say, well, I'll just go and confess it. Yeah, but that doesn't fix the garage door and it doesn't fix the golf cart and doesn't fix the fact that you did about 50 things you were told not to do. All it does is bring judgment day to an immediate (laughs) rather than hoping against hope there's not going to be a judgment day. And so... There's no way that Louis' grandfather wasn't going to figure it out. And there's no way, given reputation being what it was, that the trail wasn't going to lead back to my bedroom. So what do you do? Hope? There is no hope. What do you do? Pray? Those prayers don't get answered. What do you do? Try to blame somebody else? That's just going to make it worse. You've just got to hope that in judgment, there's mercy. You've just got to hope that in wrath, there's love. Now I'm telling you, God already knows what you've done. You can't hope that he's not going to call you into account. You can't pray that it just disappears and goes away. You can't outlast him. Well, maybe God will get old and he'll forget. 
the only thing you can do is come and face the Lord and see if in the midst of His judgment, in the midst of His wrath that you know about, or you wouldn't be afraid to come to Him, that there's enough mercy and enough love to save you from what you deserve. Let's take a look. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 5, let's go to Acts chapter number 5. Acts 5, verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men, the God of our fathers. Raised up Jesus, whom ye slew, and hanged on a tree. Well, I never killed anybody. Okay, these people did. Not only did they kill somebody, they killed the somebody. They crucified the Son of God, Jesus Christ. See that? That's their crime. Whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel, that's you guys, and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things and so also is the Holy Ghost. Now let me ask you something this morning. Have you ever been foolish? Come on. Come on. Have you ever been foolish? Ever have you ever been disobedient? That's something you, like you're not you're not convinced. We can get specific. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever served diverse lusts or pleasures? Now listen. If Jesus Christ was willing to save the man who crucified him, you can't say he wouldn't forgive you. If he would lovingly and kindly forgive their sins, he absolutely would lovingly and kindly forgive your sin. You just got to come to him. You just got to take a chance that he meant what he said, that the Bible's true. You got to come to Jesus. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter number one. Second Peter, chapter number one, and verse number ten. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you should never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, he has an everlasting kingdom. The Savior does. And men may and women may enter that kingdom, not only enter that kingdom, but enter it abundantly. So what's the condition? Well, just said, make sure. Make sure. 
Not join, not give, not try, not quit trying, not start, not stop. Make sure. How do you make sure? Is he the Savior? Is he your Savior? See, it's, the devil, he, he doesn't care if you're religious. He loves that. Long as you're trying to do something to clean up your own mess, something to save yourself, he's happy. Be nominal. Be dedicated. Give it all you got. Give it a little something now and then. Devil doesn't care as long as you don't trust the Savior. Well, Mike said that priest invited him to do some gospel magic. That's a blessing to have that open door. Here's what y'all do. Walk up there, take that wafer and say, look, I turned it into a piece of bread. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> One religion, same as another. It's you trying to fix it. You can't fix it. We come to the Savior. I don't know if he'd have me. I don't know if he wants me. Second Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy 4, two more verses. Second Timothy chapter 4. No. First Timothy chapter 4. There we go. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy 4, verse 10. For therefore, we both labor... And suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Now, there's not a man living on the face of this earth who does not have a Savior. There's not a woman living on the face of this earth who does not have a Savior. Jesus Christ is their Savior. If they will believe on Him, they can be saved. If they do not believe on Him, they will not be saved, but they will not go to hell when they die because they did not have a Savior. Everyone has a Savior. Now, we've got to say this. There are many great faiths in the world, many great religions in the world. The Savior for every Mohammedan is Jesus Christ. The Savior for every Buddhist is Jesus Christ. The Savior for every Hindu is Jesus Christ. The Savior for every New Age tree hugger is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of all men. You can trust anybody you want, but there's only one who can save you. You can believe in anybody you want, but there's only one Savior. You can have a sign and, and put two colors in your hair, four colors in your hair, six colors in your hair, hold a sign that says you can be good without God. You might be good without God, but you can't be saved without God. Because only Jesus Christ saves. He is your Savior and your Savior and your Savior. And everyone living right now, He is their Savior. question is whether or not you'll believe in Him. If you walk out this door this morning without trusting Jesus, He's still your Savior. You're just going to die and lose your soul because you wouldn't come to Him.
Not his fault. He's not the bad guy. Back a page, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I don't know if he'd have me. I don't know if he'd care about me. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all, who will, who will, who will, have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. God's will is that everyone be saved. Well, who hath resisted His will? Millions. You will not come to me that you might have life, said Jesus. How oft would I have gathered you and you would not, said Jesus. But it's His will this morning. If God had His way this morning, Jesus Christ would clean up your mess. If the Lord was allowed to do this morning what He desires to do, He would forgive all of your sins. He would give you abundant life from here to the day you step out into eternity and give you an abundant entrance into His everlasting kingdom. If God had His way this morning, that's what He would do for you. Now I'm going to go back, you don't have to go with me, but I'm going to go back where we started to Titus chapter 3. And I'm going to ask you, ask you a series of questions and then we'll be through. We all of us, according to the Bible, were sometimes foolish. Has your foolishness been kind to you? Has your foolishness made your life abundant? The answer would have to be no. Then why would you live another day a fool? When you could come to Jesus, who would be kind to you and love you and give you abundant life. Has your disobedience been kind to you? Has your disobedience made your life more abundant? An honest answer would be no. If you were honest, you'd say no. Why would you live another day as a disobedient sinner when you could know the kindness and love and abundance of being saved by Jesus Christ. Has your, has your serving of lust, has your living in malice, has your hateful, hating one another disposition, has that been kind to you? Has it made your life abundant? In our town, there's a man who I would guess is early to mid-60s and every night goes home to no one. Not a friend, not a wife, not a companion, no one. His life, a perpetual string of failures, angry, bitter, unkind, unloving. And should someone stand near his place of business and offer love, kindness, joy, peace, everlasting life, 
the hatred and malice that has such a hold upon him takes him beyond his ability to restrain himself and he must lash out in anger and in bitterness and in profanity at people who have done him no harm. And why you would want to live another day in that bitterness, in that malice, in that hatred, in that loneliness is such a mystery. And yet the Bible says in this verse, we ourselves were sometimes deceived. There's no God, or if there is a God, He'd ruin my life. Or if He didn't ruin my life, He'd certainly take all the fun out of it. And you don't have one moment's fun in your life as it is. I'm telling you, I can testify. My wife will testify. My mother is here today. She'll testify. My friends are here today. They'll testify. My, my brothers and sisters in Christ are here today. They'll testify the kindness of God is so far superior to everything I had before I knew Jesus. The love of God is so far superior to everything I knew before I had Jesus. The abundant life in God is so superior to everything I knew before I had Jesus that I I consider the greatest folly in my life to have been putting off salvation for so long a time. You can walk out that door with a Savior you don't trust. And just continue making one mess after another out of your life with no one who cares to clean it up and no one who's able to clean it up. Or you could let God have His way. And it's His will to be kind to you. And it's His will to love you. And it's His will to give you life and life more abundant if you just let Jesus save you. He is the Savior. And He doesn't want to mess your life up. You can do that without Him. He wants to make your life worth living. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Those that are, don't regret it for a minute.